The sun's a shining in Oxford, Mississippi. Cookouts in the Grove, beer showers. It's just the very best time for an old Miss Rebel to get out and get going. Carry front door peace of mind with you everywhere you go with Eufy Video Lock. Never has home security been so easy. Eufy Video Lock, an all-in-one security device for your front door, allows you to keep an eye on everything back home. And it's so easy. Installation requires only a screwdriver, so ditch those house keys forever and give Eufy Video Lock a try today. There's no monthly fee, and Eufy Video Lock has customer support on standby 247 to help you with any and all home security needs. Go ahead, have your home as fun in the sun with the assurance your home is in good hands with Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock's built-in camera can tell you who's at your front door from the comfort of your poolside chair. So search Eufy Video Lock today. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's Eufy Video Lock, a proud sponsor of this, the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up! It's up! It's up! It's up! It's up! Welcome into another edition of Talking Champions, the Nick Suss edition. We're getting sussed on this Thursday, September 8th. I'm looking at you, watching you as we record this, and you just don't seem enthused by calling it the Suss edition. We're getting sussed. It just sounds like the lead-in to like a 90s Nickelodeon game show. It's like somebody's about to get slimed, somebody's yeah. going to swim through mashed potatoes. Would you have rather gotten a piece of the aggro crag been slimed one legends of the hidden temple meaning you got past the temple guards you actually beat the clock which very few kids did got the big prize at the end legends of the hidden temple piece of the aggro crag meaning you climb the top or slimed i mean it feels like the slime is the worst choice because you don't win anything off of that you just kind of get slime dumped on you so i'll take hidden temple but yeah, no, I mean, Double Dare was great. Hidden Temple was great. I was, I'm a little bit younger than you, so I was watching them very young, but uh, enjoyed all of it. Okay, fine, whatever. I always want you to say, Ben, like you, I would take that piece of the aggro crag and display it proudly on my mantle in my dip, because that's what I would do if I had a piece of that glowing, beautiful rock of guts. <laughs> you really missed your calling as an announcer for those shows. That's all I got is like, guts. Yeah, you can do that. Yeah, easy. How are you? I'm, I'm here. Nothing bad's happening, but, you know, we're here. 
That's good. That's positive. Ole Miss and Central Arkansas will be in Vaught-Hemingway Stadium Saturday at 6 p.m. Central time, and Luke Altmaier will start after a week filled with press conferences and practices and a lead-up to another game. How you feeling on this Thursday as we get sussed? I'm feeling like they're probably going to beat Central Arkansas. I don't think there's going to be too much drama in this game, and if there's a lot of drama, that doesn't pretend well for SEC play. But, I mean, these games are necessary. You got to play 12 a year. You got to have these games. But I don't know. I, I think that they are kind of going out of fashion. I'm glad it's in September instead of in November when you're used to SEC play. But it's it's hard to find yourself getting relamped up for what we're going to see in a game where the most interesting storylines are going to be what happens in the third and fourth quarter. See, that's the thing. I've been asking the same question, I feel like, every single day this week in every possible way you could possibly ask the question. And I still haven't gotten a sufficient answer. If Luke Altmaier goes out there and balls out, what does that really mean as far as clearing up the quarterback competition? Is it a true one-for-one comparison? Because that doesn't make a lot of sense, considering that Troy is better than Central Arkansas. Or has Lane got a bigger plan? Does he have a bigger plan for Georgia Tech B Jackson Jackson Dart start? And then Luke Altmaier getting... Tulsa, better competition. Then it's a two-for-two, and you go into Kentucky with the decision. I don't know what we're really going to learn on Saturday in regards to Luke Altmaier and what it means for the quarterback competition moving forward. I can't figure it out for the life of me. No, and it it doesn't feel like it's lip service either. It, It does feel like these two quarterbacks have battled equally enough that it's justifiable to give Luke his chance. It doesn't feel like the chance should be just Troy and just Central Arkansas. So I don't know. I don't know if it means they get a little bit more of a rotation against Georgia Tech. I don't know if it means two for two and then you make the decision heading into SEC play. I really don't know what the timeline's going to be because this schedule doesn't really shake out for fairness. I guess theoretically you could give Luke Georgia Tech and give Jackson Tulsa, but even then... I don't know how you kind of evaluate off of that. It's tough. These guys are going to have to separate from themselves, not only on Saturdays, but in practice. And that's been the hardest thing is they've had a month and a half of practices now, and these guys haven't separated. So, Oh, they've had more than a month and a half. They had a full spring. They had a summer of seven on sevens. I will say in the spring, they were separated though. That was pretty clear. It was one guy caught up, but didn't go much further than that. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I don't know what to expect. I don't know what we're going to learn, but I just thought of a segment, a new segment for Nick Suss Thursdays called What's Surprising Nick Suss? I don't know how it's going to work. It might not be very good, but in my mind, it sounds great. Anything about this team after one week, well, two weeks now, considering the game and then a week of practices leading up to the next game, anything surprising you about this team right now? I was a little surprised the receivers didn't look better. Um, not in a, I thought that anybody was going to be a first round talent kind of thing. I think I said this on your show a couple of weeks ago about how I think there's like four or five number two receivers on this team. I, I looked through it. I think that only about 20% of the yards receivers got in that Troy game came after the catch. We, we gave Dart some, uh, people gave it to him a little bit for not converting on the big plays, but they also threw, I think, in the first quarter alone, four 
screens or tunnel passes right at the line of scrimmage that went nowhere. I was a little bit surprised that that wasn't more successful given how athletic some of these receivers are. Um, and some of that could have been Dart not leading them well enough, and some of it could have been downfield blocking. But I think a lot of that falls on the receivers making plays, and I was a little surprised that they weren't more successful. I was a little surprised by the distribution of carries, but I think that when I went back and rewatched the, the game for a second time, Bentley was on the field a lot. <laughs> it's not as if he wasn't playing. It was just the reads weren't going to him. And I think that happened a couple of times to Jerry and Ely and Snoop Connor last year where it's, well, this is your drive and the defense is doing something different. So it's weird you only got two or three carries. Defensively, I mean, we'd all be lying to say we weren't a little surprised that Kari Coleman leads the nation in tackles for loss. I don't think that everybody saw that coming week one, especially after all of the instincts kind of leading towards Austin Keys and, and Troy Brown being the top two linebackers in the fall. I, I don't know. I think there were some small things that surprised me, but big picture structural things, they kind of looked the way I thought they'd look, right? Yeah, so the win-loss record hasn't moved for you, really? No, no. I mean, it will take, in this non-conference schedule, it will take some astronomical bad for the win-loss to move. Because, like, I don't know what they could do to impress me that much against Troy or Georgia Tech or Tulsa or Central Arkansas to make me think, oh, this team's better than I thought, just because it's such a soft non-conference slate. But I don't know. I, I think that the Kentucky game, we'll see a lot of how they do against Florida this week and that might sway some things but I don't think any I don't think Ole Miss is going to do anything this Saturday that's going to make me think they're better or worse than they are well on three released its rankings of the SEC after week one earlier this week and I talked about it with Bradley Sal on a recent edition of Talk of Champions they all run together at this point except for Nick Suss Thursdays and I was looking at Ole Miss's position of number nine and the eight teams ranked ahead of them all had an established quarterback that that's really the separator for them except Texas A&M. So where does Ole Miss rank for you? Is nine about right? Yeah. I try not to overreact off of week one. So I really don't know if I've changed my, my opinions about too many SEC teams after week one. I think the seven to 10 range is probably where they belong, but I will say that defense looked pretty salty. <laughs> I'd like to see that defense play against a team that runs a little more tempo or that has a little bit more variety or isn't breaking in a brand new offensive coordinator. But if that's the way the defense is going to look, I mean, you could see this team playing into the top half of the conference pretty well on defense alone. But you were bullish on LSU and they lose by a blocked extra point to Florida State. So if you're not putting too much into week one, you're still buying LSU stock? Yeah, I still think they're a really good team. I think it changes things when when their best player tears his ACL five snaps into the season. So that's obviously going to change some things. But I didn't expect Keishon Booty to not look like he wanted to play very much. I think that kind of changes the outlook a little bit. But Is he still time, there? Yeah. Okay, well, I, I don't know. I've been too online. I've been too online. Too many message boards like, oh, he's in the portal. I don't know. I cover Ole Miss. No, no, he's still there. And again, when your best defensive player tears his ACL and your best offensive player looks uninterested, that's going to change the outlook on a team a little bit. But I also think watching that second half and watching the way that team kept fighting and recovered, 
I don't know, Florida State's a pretty good team. LSU is a pretty good team. They played a pretty equal game. If LSU can keep moving the ball like they did in the second half, I think they'll ultimately be fine. But again, question marks arise when your two best players aren't performing. Are we sure they're pretty good teams? Or are we sure that wasn't like the Music City Bowl or the Liberty Bowl? I mean, you never know. Are we sure anybody's good week one? I mean, we're pretty sure that Georgia and Alabama and Ohio State are good. But other than that, everything's relative, right? I don't know who's good. Was Florida good? Was Utah bad? Was it a combination of both? Was NC State overrated? Was East Carolina underrated? I, I don't know. Week one's week one. We'll, we'll tell this story in a couple of weeks. Overreaction is awesome. I love overreacting, but I try to, when we're thinking about over the span of a 13, 14 week season, who is going to be what? I, I tend to try to stick to what the overwhelming plurality of evidence tells us and not what 60 minutes of football tells us because sometimes teams have a feel and and like to steer this back to Ole Miss last year watching the game against Louisville you just felt oh this team's this team's different this is a better team than we thought it was I didn't really get that vibe coming off of Ole Miss this time they kind of felt like the team we thought they were and that's for the most part, what I see from 90% of teams in week one. If you haven't already subscribed, rate, review, talk of champions in iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. It doesn't matter what you say. As long as it's five stars, this podcast can be found wherever you get your podcasts. Just simply search Talk of Champions. And Talk of Champions is brought to you in part by Thomas Chandler of Capital Financial Group. When's the last time you thought about retirement? What about saving for your kid's college? In these crazy economic times, Working with a professional is of the utmost importance, and that's where my friend Thomas Chandler comes in. Thomas is a financial planner with Capital Financial Group, and he wants to help you make the right decisions for your financial future. So give him a call today at 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. And tell him that Ben sent you for a no-cost consultation and get started toward financial independence today with Thomas Chandler of Capital Financial Group. Your Ole Miss baseball rebels are national champions. Yes, that really happened. Your eyes did not deceive you. And what better way to celebrate since we all spent way too much money getting to and back home from Omaha than with a new car. Well, the only place to buy a car in Oxford, Mississippi is Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. From new and used sales to parts and service, Alan Samuels of Oxford aims to provide a truly stellar automotive experience. And what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford from every other dealership is they aim to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. They'll get you in the car you want at a price point that you can afford. Give them a call today, 662-234-8000. Ask Brian or Mason to tell them, talk. Talk of Champions sent you because now Talk of Champions actually makes sense. Ole Miss Baseball won a national championship and they'll get you in your dream car with your Ole Miss Omaha Magnet planted right there on the driver's side door. They're located at 2201 East University Avenue in Oxford. That's 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Contact them today, 662-234-8000. That's Alan Samuels, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram of Oxford, a proud sponsor of the national champion. Talk of Champions podcast. 
BNA Bank is celebrating 125 years of local banking. For generations, BNA Bank has been a stable fixture in Northeast Mississippi, supporting and investing in our local small businesses, local schools, local community events, local charities, and so much more. At BNA Bank, we believe in our local communities, businesses, and organizations because we are a local business, too. Thank you for choosing to bank local with BNA Bank. As the Buffalo Bills and the Los Angeles Rams prepare to kick off the NFL regular season, now is the time to prepare for your winning season at MyBookie. Whether you're a veteran, better, or a first-timer, MyBookie gets you the most for your money with a double deposit bonus. It's quick and easy. A $250 deposit puts $500 in your account, and you can use your funds to bet instantly on as many games, contests, and props as you want. To claim your bonus, register today and use promo code TOC for Talk of Champions. TOC, designed to add more excitement to the games and sports you love. Bet on team win totals, predict the Super Bowl winner, or use the MyBookie Prop Builder and secure the bag. Your winning season begins today, exclusively at MyBookie. The signs of summer are here. Freshly mowed grass, days in the water at the ballpark and all the rest on the golf course. Well, that's how we do it over here at Oxford and Ole Miss anyway. And PXG Golf Apparel is here to make sure you're locked and loaded for round after round at University Course or Oxford Country Club. PXG has taken its mission to create the most high-quality, high-performance golf clubs in the game to their new line of apparel as well. With PXG Apparel, there's something for everyone. From pants, polos, and sweaters to hats, joggers, and skirts. You'll usually find me with a hat on my head, and PXG has nailed the fitted breathable my navy goes with pretty much anything. So don't wait another second. Elevate your style game on and off the course with the PXG Spring Summer 2024 Collection. Head over to pxg.com TOC and use promo code TOC for Talk of Champions at checkout to save 10% on all apparel. That's pxg.com TOC, code TOC for Talk of Champions to save 10% on apparel. PXG, a proud sponsor of the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. It's concert season, and concert season is all about the boots. Already, Oxford and Ole Miss have seen Morgan Wallen light it up at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. Ole Miss football star and Talk of Champions podcaster Jared Ivey bemoaned how his boots were lacking. He should have gone with Tecovis, the only stop for the Ole Miss fan and the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings for the spring and summer, including timeless, always-on-trend styles in men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. Stop by your local Tacova store and have a complimentary drink or two on the house while you shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service, and many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. So what is Nick Suss's biggest overreaction from week one in college football? It can be SEC, Ole Miss or not. I don't care. I don't know. That's a good question. Um, So there were a few teams coming into the year that I was really high on that made me feel kind of validated the opposite of the LSU opinion there 
Tennessee looked good. I'm really excited to see what they look like against Pitt this week. That's going to be fun. I'm really high on Minnesota this year. I know that nobody listening to this podcast probably cares about the Golden Gophers, but overreaction based on the way the rest of the Big Ten West looked, that's a team that can win 10 or 11 games and be played in the conference championship. Um, I was impressed by, <laughs> to kind of give an Ole Miss flavor. Did you see what Henry Parrish did? Yeah, three touchdowns and a bunch of yards. Yeah, that was impressive. I, I'm not super in on Miami this year, but good for him. That's Good that's for him. Fun. He would have not gotten very many touches for Ole Miss on Saturday. No, I don't think he would have. So, so good for him to be playing for, like, the number 15 team in the country. And yeah, this is like home state school. Good for him. Um, trying to think what else. I, I watched a lot of college football, but I did not watch nearly as much college football as the people who watch a lot of college football do. <laughs> I, I did not turn on a game before leaving for Ole Miss's game. I didn't watch any of the noon action. I was, I was watching soccer like the hipster jerk I am, but. That's yeah, not hipster. Probably. That's not hipster. Soccer is the most popular sport in the world. But we live in Mississippi. We don't live in the world. We live in both, you idiot. <laughs> Mississippi nah, is part of the world. Joke, joke's on you. Who knows? All I'm saying is just because Mississippi is football crazy doesn't mean it's crazy hipster for Nick Suss to love the world sport. I didn't say it was crazy hipster. I just said it was regular hipster. It's not regular hipster. It's actually more hipster in the world discussion for Mississippi to be obsessed with football that is not the actual football of the world. Yes, but context matters. Correct. Would it be hipster if I was watching cricket? No. But it, why it'd not? be hipster if you're watching cricket here. If you're watching competitive frisbee golf. Okay, so when I watch rugby sevens, <laughs> where, where does that stand? Rugby's a great sport. Yeah. How is that hipster? What is your definition of hipster? Now, if you want to see, if you want to say out of the mainstream is hipster, well, then there is a lot of shit that's hipster. Yeah, and that doesn't make it good or bad. It just makes it out of the mainstream. That's not what I think of hipster. That's okay. We're in the weeds. Sorry. Anyway, moving on. Moving on. Would you take Jaden Daniels right now for Ole Miss? That's a good one. I think maybe. I liked the way he moved. The thing with Jaden Daniels is he is really good when the talent around him is really good. So is the talent around this Ole Miss offense better than the talent around LSU? In the running game, certainly. I think that if you have a dual-threat quarterback like him alongside uh, Evans and Judkins and Bentley, that could be scary. But I do think upside-wise, uh, Dart and Altmire might be a little bit better passers right now. So I, I probably wouldn't make the trade, but it is an, uh, it's an interesting idea. What's is, the... It what? wasn't lost on me that he struggled, Spencer Rattler struggled, Dart struggled. It wasn't like any of the high-profile transfer quarterbacks came up and lit the world on fire. This Caleb week. Williams. I was talking about the SEC, but yes. Oh. <laughs> you didn't specify, so I corrected you because you did not specify. Yeah, that's all I'm getting at. What's on- more alarming? We know what's the biggest problem area right now for Ole Miss, but what's more alarming? Where the quarterbacks are, kind of where we thought they'd be, but where they are with the rest of the roster or the lack of separation for the Ole Miss wide receiver against Troy. Not which one is the, you know, concerned area, but the one that right now is most alarming. 
I'd say the receiver thing might be a little more alarming just because it's hard to get a read on the quarterbacks if they're not, if the receivers aren't performing up to their snuff. And I think we'll see a little bit more separation against Troy or against central Arkansas than, than against Troy. But yeah, again, it's not a bad thing. The receivers were doing well, but I mean, I charted every single one of darts throws and dart had the most success on like quick little timing routes of it's an RPO. You see the safety is inching forward, throw that seven yard uh, arrow route to Mingo or to Dayton Wade or something like that. And those guys are catching that seven yard arrow route and then just getting tackled. And that happens. Defenders are trained to tackle. You give credit to the guy for making the right play, but I didn't come away watching Jalen Robinson or JJ Henry or, um, Jordan Watkins or any of the new guys and thinking, oh yeah, no, that's a guy that was worth the off season hype. It looked like that's a receiver and he caught the pass and made the play and it's a first down, move the chains, but this isn't a move the chains offense. It's always built around make the big play, make the defender miss, go big, go big. And it's hard to be enthused about an Ole Miss offense when they're telling you we're still score from far and they're not doing that. They have three two-yard touchdowns and a 12-yard touchdown, I want to say. That's methodical, and it worked, and 28 points are good enough to win, but it, it was hard to, like, sit there and think, oh, yeah, this is this is a fully formed Lane Kiffin offense. It, it's still a work-in-progress offense. Of all of the wide receivers you mentioned, the one that looked like he was getting the most separation, which is a pretty low bar, considering what we saw on Saturday, was J.J. Henry. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And I, I feel like he's – yeah, I thought it, he it played pretty okay too, but maybe my judgment's clouded on that one. Who knows? Yeah, because like in that touchdown or would-be touchdown that was an interception because Jackson Dart led the safety to the end zone and underthrew him. I mean, J.J. Henry had the stuff. There were multiple times where he had a stuff. So I feel like that's where the disconnect with where the quarterbacks are and where maybe a wide receiver can provide you help. It's just none of it's clicking where it's supposed to be. It's none of it's where it's supposed to be right now. But and that's the concerning thing. I know you hate when I bring math into this, but I'm going to bring math into this for a that's second. That's why I bring you on, because we're getting sussed on Thursday. Math me <laughs> up. So over the last two years, Ole Miss averaged 79 offensive snaps per game. Of those 79 snaps, an average of 49 and a half or 50 of them were either pass attempts or Matt Corral runs, which meant approximately 29 or 30 plays per game were running back touches or receiver touches that Corral had nothing to do with. That's not going to be the case anymore. But if you're averaging close to 80 snaps a game and your quarterback goes from being the guy who's distributing 50 of them to being the guy who distributes 30 of them, look, that means 50 touches can go to Zach Evans and Ulysses Bentley and Quinshawn Judkins. That means Evans can touch the ball 25 times. Judkins and Bentley can touch the ball 12 times. And you're still having a couple of carries left over, or one carry left over, rather. That's okay. Like, if you go from an offense built that's, around... That's also very much an antiquated ask of a group of running backs, good as they are, considering modern offenses to overcome that significant a drop off in surplus value. Oh yeah, it is. It, it's, it's a little old school, but it's also 
when you have three of them, you're not asking any one of them to touch it 35 times a game. If you go 20, 10, 10, and you get 50 touch or 40 touches rather from your top three running backs, you're still under the average of how much they like to run the ball. It was just skewed the last couple of years because Matt ran the ball so willingly. You're still, I don't know. I, the way I look at this offense when it's being optimized, I think whether it is Dart or Altmeyer, they should only throw and run a combined 30 to 35 times a game, which leaves you that 45 to 50 times a game to get the ball into the running back's hands. And our defense is going to key in on that. Sure. Will it end up mattering? I don't know. I don't know, given how good these guys can be. So you don't think part of the answer could be quarterbacks running? I think that's going to help, but I don't know if either of them are as competent runners as Corral was. Dart looked good. Could that be the difference then, ultimately? The difference between winning the battle or the difference between them and Corral? Winning the battle. We're not doing the Corral comparison. Could that be the deciding factor? Maybe the one that's because if you're really considering the numbers in that way, the one that you, you know what you're going to kind of get from both of them passing wise, but that running element then could help offset what you've lost as far as touches are concerned from your trigger man. That could be that. That's a good thought. I, I think you kind of back at square one though, because I think they are pretty equal runners. Dart might be a little bit more athletic, but we saw last year, Altmaier ran pretty well when he was asked to. So I really don't know. I think that's a good thought of how do you test it? And maybe you'll see that a little bit more in the next couple of weeks of using that. Cause when I asked Lane about dart the other day, uh, what did you see on tape when you reviewed it? The, I think the first or second thing he said was I was really impressed with how strong he looked in the run game. So that could be a, a piece that needs to be unlocked. Yeah. That, that seems like it could be something that could help decide this thing, especially when you consider against Troy when they're up 28 to three Lane deliberately called pass after pass after pass he was looking for something in particular and that was passing efficiency he wasn't running his typical offense which would include potentially or if we go by past history always with Lane Kiffin design quarterback runs and that's just not something you got in the second half against Troy and maybe you start to see that um, because Jackson just didn't have that early game success in the passing game and that's why he wanted to see it in the second half. So that's an element we don't know that we could learn on, on Saturday. How does that open up Luke Allmeyer? But again, it's not a one-to-one comparison because Central Arkansas is not the same caliber, caliber of opponent as Troy. Maybe then you could start to focus them focus on that and rotating them in again against Georgia Tech or they get one for one in the game. I don't know. That part of it, I'm not thinking about. But the running element does seem – interesting as far as okay where, where can a player get an advantage because Jackson Dart one thing everybody's giving him credit for is how well he moved in the pocket despite the lack of passing success against Troy and also you kind of have to talk about how well he played in spite of a pretty bad pass blocking game I'm sure yeah. Brad brought this up on a podcast I, I will admit I don't listen to every show but you look at the pro football focus grades which are obviously skewed and you don't want to treat them as bible but Eli Ackert, well, like Luke Altmaier outgraded Jackson Dart. I mean, he was yeah. one for two. Come on. Yeah. But doing? people who had larger sample sizes, Jeremy James, Nick Broker, and Eli Acker, all had failing pass blocking grades for game one. And that's, that's not great. And I think that there's some movement on the line. It's guys adjusting to new roles. And Jeremy James was bouncing between the left and the right. And 
it makes things tricky. But when I rewatched the game, the thing I was most impressed by with Dart was his ability to stand and take pressure. His best pass of the game by a mile to me was that throw he made down the sideline to Trigg as he was getting crushed Mm. and he put it in the perfect spot. I mean, there were some plays where he was enveloped by two or three people and he managed to step up in the pocket and throw the ball away, which you're not getting yards off of that, but the ability to prevent catastrophe, that was, that was something that impressed me. Yeah. And that's the value in the margins that you have to have if you're trying to win a job. Yeah, no, for sure. Because if you look at that throw and taking pressure and maneuvering the pocket, yeah, that doesn't show up in a stat sheet. And it's definitely not factored into 154 on whatever his completion percentage was, 18 for 27 and interception. Yeah, all that looks eh, uninspiring. But if you think about the other stuff, well, that does matter, especially for a team that once you start to stop running vanilla offense and really try to scheme to beat an opponent that's of equal, if not better, competition than you that stuff that really that comes into play. I mean, it's excess value and you have to have that in your quarterbacks. You can't have a guy back there that can't move um, when pressure comes inevitably with this, a first year starting left tackle. And he's got to be able to make throws when he's getting hit in the face. And we have a seam loop deal with that like Jackson did against Troy. And I doubt we'll see it against central Arkansas, which leads us to our problem to begin with. But I feel like we're getting somewhere now with, okay, where can they separate? Oh, their legs. Sure. Maybe we cracked the code. I will say we certainly did see Luke deal with pressure against Baylor. I don't know if he did oh, very true. well with it, but we certainly saw him that's deal true. with pressure. But also, but but that doesn't really count. This is a completely different year situation. I mean, it come is. on, man. He's been it is. He's been uh, working, practicing for months, competing to start. He came in cold as a dead body. Yeah, and then and left cold as a dead body. He got hit a lot in that game. A lot. A lot. It reminded me, I don't know if you remember this game because you haven't been around this long, but maybe you're watching it way back when. In 2008, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, the Egg Bowl. You know what happened? Tell me. Ole Miss obliterated Mississippi State. 45 to nothing. It was a massacre. And Jarrell Poe and Greg Hardy, all those dynamic Ole Miss defensive linemen just absolutely terrorized those quarterbacks. And I can't remember who they were. I think maybe one was Tyson Lee, the other Wesley Carroll, poor Wesley Carroll. I I wanted to go down after the game and give him a hug. If nothing else, give him a hug and say, man, good for you. You're still standing. Cause that was the closest I've ever gotten to an actual murder on a football field. And Luke Altmaier, he was very, very much assaulted on a football field. It was, yeah, that was, We'll, we'll stop talking about the PTSD game for a lot of fans, but yeah, that was not very good. Yeah, well, but does it really matter? It's Baylor and it's an exhibition game that meant nothing. So why would they have PTSD over that? Because fans like winning. They were at the Sugar Bowl. The, the win, or lo- win or loss is inconsequential. Do you? They? Well, I've been around almost my entire life. They won the Sugar Bowl in 2016, but again, Win or loss, did it really matter in the grand, grand scheme? No, that's why, thank God, we have an expanded playoff. Ole Miss would have been an eight or nine seed in the expanded playoff. So you'd have gotten the Sugar Bowl equivalent, except with a chance to go win and win a title. Yeah, the expanded playoff is great for fans and people who love football and is terrible for nerds who want the correct team to win the championship. So I am torn. 
wait a second. Hold on. Hold on. Yes, it's good for fans. But even for – I'm a nerd. You know how I am about baseball. We've had many, many an analytical sabermetrics conversation about baseball. But how come in every sport of consequence in the world, not just Mississippi, in the world, uses a playoff format and you're telling me college football is somehow uniquely qualified to name it differently, name the champion differently? No, it's, it's less about that. It's more about it's the sport where you play the fewest games, but you have the most teams. So there is no way to create a representative playoff. Every other sport has a playoff where there are legitimately written formulas to determine who gets in. It is purely subjective when you're determining who gets in in college football. That is true. I do still have a problem with just some guys standing in a room going, yeah, you know what? I like that Ole Miss team, man. Let's put that Ole Miss team against Alabama. Oh, we got Lane and Nick, but uh, yeah, I get that part of it. However, and- however, to argue that it's in the the somehow worst interest of college football, even from an analytical perspective, for more teams to have a chance to win rather than the same Alabama or now Georgia, Clemson, that seems silly to me. Because parity at the end of the day, this is truly about entertainment. Yes, we all want the perfect champion crown, but in college basketball, if the perfect champion was crowned every year, we'd have gotten Duke and North Carolina and in perpetuity, but we don't get that because we have more of a representative um, field and chance for other teams to win. Which is awesome, and it's fantastic. But the problem is a lot of sports fans, myself included, are obsessed with the history of sport. And the more you dilute the sample, the more you make history wrong. And that's not to say that it's bad. But that's to assume that it was right to begin with. Yeah, when you have a larger sample deciding what the best team is versus a series of random toss-ups, it's clearly going to be more accurate one way versus the other. Baseball is probably the ultimate example, and college football is not baseball because you're not playing a 162-game season. Right. But when you have... Like the Dodgers still have not won a title for me. I don't care. (laughs) I I was going to use the opposite example of like, Think of those three Giants teams that won World Series in 2010, 2012, 2014. Try to remember, this is less than a decade ago in some cases, try to remember who had the best record in baseball that year. And it's really, really tough to think of who were the number one seeds, who were the teams that actually earned the right to be considered the best team in baseball versus who's the team that won the World Series. History is always going to remember the champion, but we're going to forget unless it's some extreme case like the 2007 Patriots not winning or the 2016 Warriors not winning, you're usually going to forget greatness and greatness is going to be lost to history because some wild card team got hot in the postseason, especially in a sport like baseball. And this is a side rant and you guys can hear me rant about this anytime. It becomes a different sport when you're adding more off days and when you are increasing rosters and you're allowing it so you really only need two or three dominant starting pitchers to make it through compared to a regular season when you're rewarded for five starting pitchers etc etc when the sport changes when the rules separating the amount of games you have to play and how much time you get between them changes it's a faulty way to actually say oh that was the best team 
in football, you can't really change the rules very much. You get a week between games, you play, that's fine. That's why I never get mad if a three seed wins in the NFL. But in the NBA, where you have 82 games to determine the seeds and none of it matters because it all comes down to a discrete series of seven game series, or in hockey, where the number one seed tends to be beat in the first round about a quarter of the time, you start to wonder, well, why are we doing this? Like, if we're not going to reward the teams that play the best, then why even set up a system where there is a season before the postseason? Why not just make the regular season a much longer postseason, which is what they do in Europe? And I think that's a, a cool way of doing it. Yeah, and I think that's how they should do it, but a lot of different competing interests in pulling college football deciders in different directions. I just think you're operating on a little bit of a, of a false premise to start because you're, you're assuming that the way things have always been is right, and that's not necessarily true. No, it's not, but that's true of both the regular season and the postseason. Just because I'm questioning the postseason and you're questioning the regular season doesn't mean we're both not questioning. Well, in college football, a game small samples. If 11 games is a small sample. It is. Okay. Then would Alabama still win at a 100% clip if they played 162 games? Of course not. But okay. the problem here Would they be on a 117 win pace? Like probably, the Braves yeah. have been since June? A little throw in there. A little yes. humble brag throw in there. Um, here's my thing. It's less about that and more about we have eyes and I don't like us <laughs> pretending that we don't. Like, this will get to a point, trust me. I'm not just ranting to rant at this point. I've been mad in the last four or five years about the way history has kind of rewritten the Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady debate of... We were all there. I assume everybody listening to this podcast remembers watching them play each other. And we all remember that everybody watching those games always universally agreed, well, Peyton is the better quarterback. Brady has won more games and that might make him more great, but Peyton's the better quarterback. And now, because Brady's still playing and he's had more longevity and he has the records that are purely counting stats, everybody's saying, oh, well, Brady was clearly always the best quarterback. That's not true. Let's not rewrite what we actually saw and knew to be true. Let's let's remember facts. But I thought I, that accepted truth and fact was that what matters most above all is titles. No, championships. That's, that's stupid. What matters Why? most for individual success is individual success. But, but that's sport. not how that's not how sports are consumed. But they sh but that's silly. Like Why? we don't get to share in Peyton Manning being great, but we get to share in a championship. If we call a team our team, if I was born yeah. and raised a Braves fan, an Ole Miss fan, a Dallas Cowboys fan, and you're telling me that I have to be more appreciative of Eli Manning's greatness than Ole Miss, I don't know, going to Atlanta one year and winning it, that's absurd. No, no, no. no, no I'm not saying you have to appreciate whatever. What I am saying is that when you are evaluating one individual versus another individual, it's insane to evaluate that one individual's 52 teammates compared to the other individual's 52 teammates. I agree with that completely. You're not seeing the overall point. If I, what, like, why is it bad to include more teams so that my team can win a title? Because yes, you still celebrate individual successes, but that's more localized. As far as what people remember, it's the title. So if I want my team to win the title, which is the ultimate goal, that's what everybody's going for. That's what they do the promos for. Then give oh, me I, that. Give I me the opportunity. 
I told you this was a long walk and I didn't quite get there. The reason I brought up the Peyton Manning right, part. Hold on. I'm going to mute and I'm not going to say a word. Here we go. It's sus time. What surprised you, Nick Sus? Well, here we go again. Let's go. The reason I brought up the Peyton Manning part is to talk about how when we talk about the eye test, I think people misconstrue it to mean, oh, well, I just like what I see. You can use the eye test to just like know things. And I've watched every season of the college football playoff as a professional journalist. I started in this industry right around the time that the playoff expanded into four And I can tell you, with the exception of one year, there has not been a year where all four teams were thought to be on the same caliber. It has always been, there are two teams that are better than everybody else, or there are three teams that are better than everybody else. That number four seed, whether it has been the Oklahoma teams that kept getting run off the field, or the Notre Dame teams, or Washington, or Michigan State, There is always that number four seed. And in some cases, there is often that number three seed, like last year, uh, when I know Georgia was in name the number three seed, but everybody agreed Alabama and Georgia were one and two. There has always been a team that anyone who has watched the game and analytically looked at the game and looked at the teams and thought, oh, they're not on the same caliber. And yes, it's fun that we get to look at the playoff and think, whew, there's 12 teams that can win it all. Why are we giving teams that are not as good as the other teams a chance to win at all? Why do we? Part of the reason why I said I wouldn't interrupt, but I hold on. Part of the reason why Alabama and Georgia and these teams that have always been the teams expected to win win, and you're not surprised, it's because of circumstance. That's how it's always been with the BCS. So Alabama won a couple, and all the kids of consequence go to Alabama. Now the, the playing field has been leveled to where if you got 12, I can go to Ole Miss, quicker path to playing time, and not chase a title just by waiting at Alabama. I can go now because I still have the same opportunity. So because of the way the the formatting was with the BCS and all this other dumb shit, all of it, Alabama got richer. Georgia got richer. Hell, Clemson got richer. Ole Miss got to that point that Clemson did where they could have gone over the top and then become Clemson because Clemson just it broke through the glass ceiling. It's very hard to do in college football. It used to be until 12 teams, you know, can make the playoff. But Ole Miss almost got there in 2016, and then 4th and 25 happened. Because if you win then, then you become one of those teams that become a viable option. It was never truly viable to overcome in the modern-day college football era. There was never a way to overcome the, you know, an Alabama or a Georgia because the rich got richer. So now you even the playing field and opens up more opportunity to where now you could look at Ole Miss in a couple of years after this thing is implemented or Clemson or Ohio State. More players going to different places, getting the same opportunity and go, oh, yeah, well, now there are teams that are equal. Alabama is not so superior to Ohio State because the opportunity is different. They aren't limited in opportunity. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> I, I mean it's it's not a great answer but i don't care about any of that i just want the best teams to play each other and i want to watch good football and games. i'm saying that's gonna happen that could happen i'm saying it's not you're just opening more opportunity for more 41 to 17 games for and the, you're gonna for go the, the short term yes long term 
they'll start to come to the mean and we'll have competitive games. But you have to break the cycle. You have, you have to break the wheel to bring it back to Game of Thrones. You have to break the wheel, man. Yeah, the sport's like not Daenerys broken, though. Stormborn. The sport's not broken, though. It is like, broken. If Alabama and Georgia are the same teams are winning every year, it is broken. And 10 million people are watching them play each other. Because everybody loves football. So it's not broken. The structure is broken. We just love football. Which is the better playoff, the NFL or college? The NFL, because the, the players are better and it's more fun to watch. Yeah, but it'll be more even now with opportunity, and especially with be. money involved because of NIL. Yes, but who has the money? The teams at the top. And the teams yes, at the top are going to have it. But 12 teams with NIL, money getting paid out, can realistically play and be pretty even. But why is it that, like, say oh. – Say Houston is the sixth best conference champion and they get in as the 12 seed. Why is it going to create more parity for Houston to make the playoff and lose 38 to seven? At well, that's awfully presumptuous day? because once this goes into effect, NIL will be even more prevalent. So Houston might be featuring USC's former starting quarterback, uh, Georgia Tech's former starting running back, a wide number two wide receiver from Georgia that wanted to be a number one. Yeah, you're, you're operating on what college football has been and not where it's going. No, but I'm also operating on if they're getting a bunch of players who weren't good enough to play at the other schools, the other schools are still better. Wait, wait a second. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're saying they couldn't play at their other spot. Spencer Rattler could have still played at Oklahoma. There's no real Yeah. Jackson Dart at USC, but Caleb Williams is different. That's different. All right. Yeah. Okay. Caleb Williams is a little different. Bryce Chuck's a little different. But I'm just going off the idea that guys transfer. Zach Evans was the hold on. Zach Evans was the starter at TCU. Like, what are we doing? I'm just going off the examples you specifically gave. Just acknowledge that it's not as bad as you're making it out to be. I'm not saying bad. I said it's great for people who love watching college football, which is all of us. But if you're trying to determine a champion, it's a crappy way to determine a champion. Hard disagree. I don't feel like I did a very good job of vocalizing my opinion. I think I got flustered, but or I just don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Either is a plausible, plausible excuse. Um, that's it. I have nothing else to talk about. Hey, what's the final score going to be? I know you don't do this, but I'm making you. I don't know. I got to do it. I, I'm going to write it when we get off the, the phone. I, I don't know, like uh, 41 to 10. Okay. Does. Luke Altmaier, does Luke Altmaier throw for over, under, two and a half touchdowns? I'll take the under. Does Jackson take, Dart pass for over, under, two and a half touchdowns? No, I'll take, I'll take the complete under on, like, three passing touchdowns. But if we're taking total quarterback touchdowns, I'll take the over. Because I would not be shocked to see one or both of them run for one. Next Thursday, when we're back for It's Sus, getting sussed on Thursday. What's the quarterback conversation going to be? It's going to be, why did we pretend like the first two games were going to tell us anything? (laughs) So exactly where we're sitting right now. (laughs) Yes. I don't think, again, I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm Sisyphus, but I just don't think we're going to see very much this weekend. I don't either. But hopefully, hopefully Ole Miss fans will come out 
And I don't know why I hope that way. I, I guess, you know, it's just always nice <laughs> to see a stadium full because college football or also, man, those those poor students, they got baked in the north end zone. Man, I want them to have a, a good game experience because holy crap, that Troy game. A, a lot of people like getting on the students. Where were they? Where they? It was freaking hot. And that's the also, hottest spot. That's like sitting on one of those uh, panels, solar panels, you know? I will also add wearing all white during the daytime doesn't do a great job of making it look like your crowd's full. And that's nobody's fault, but. And also, you know how they tell you, your mom and dad told you all growing up, wear white when it's hot because it repels the sun. There wasn't nothing repelling nothing on that Saturday. Because you're standing in metal. <laughs> you're standing in metal and the sun is beaming down on you. Knock that whole north end off if you have to and start over or build a big overhang. Do something. Did they ever try putting tents out there? Oh, you're so sassy today. So sassy on this Thursday. It's fun. Will you do it again with me next Thursday? I will, Ben. I I can't guarantee we're going to have the most uh, eloquent recap of a game, but maybe we'll just start yelling at each other again. That's fun. See ya. Enjoyed it. Bye. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.